0: the medical school hq podcast session number 87
1: you can sometimes get tunnel vision you can think oh my gosh this is such an impossible environment because you're surrounded by other incredibly smart people, but you want to remember that in the universe of MCAT prep, there are a lot of folks who are not on the ball the way you are. Hey, this is MD, rapper, physician, legendary turntable health revolutionary, and part-time gardener, and you're listening to the Medical School HQ podcast hosted by the irredeemably awesome Ryan Gray.
0: Welcome back. I am your host, Dr. Ryan Gray, and I believe that competition amongst your pre-med and medical student peers is detrimental to becoming a great physician. In this podcast, we show you how collaboration, hard work, and honesty are critical to becoming a superior physician in today's healthcare environment. Thank you for joining us. After a couple weeks of having Allison in the studio with me, today I have an interview with Brian from Next Step Test Prep. And if you remember Brian, he was with us back in in session 59 as well, where we talked about retaking the MCAT and what what you should do if you needed to retake the MCAT. You can check out that podcast if you haven't listened to it yet. MedicalSchoolHQ.net/slash/five-nine, and if you have any comments or questions for today's podcast, we're session eighty-seven, which you can find at MedicalSchoolHQ.net/slash/eight-seven. Before we get into today's podcast, I want to remind you that this podcast is brought to you by FreeMCATGift.com. Go to FreeMCATGift. Dot com today and download a free 30 plus page report all about the MCAT and all about the MCAT we are going to talk today. We're going to talk about the 2015 MCAT or MCAT 2015 as double AMC calls it and we're going to talk about five things that you should be thinking about in preparation for the MCAT 2015 and and how to maximize your time between now and then. And the first one may even be what you can do to squeeze in that last one. So we're going to get with Brian. He's going to tell us everything he knows about the MCAT 2015, which is not a lot. And we go into depth. uh, we, We talk about why the AAMC is withholding a little bit of information, it seems like. So... I hope you enjoy the podcast. Stick around at the end of the podcast. Brian talks about a discount for our podcast listeners for Next Step Test Prep services. Brian, thanks for joining us. Tell us a little bit briefly about yourself. (laughs)
1: wanna <laughs> right, uh, thank you for having me back on the show again. It was a real pleasure uh, chatting with your listeners back at the beginning of the year. Uh, my name is Brian. I'm the academic director here at Next Step Test Prep. Uh, I am myself an MCAT tutor. I've been in the MCAT prep game for coming up on 15 years now, so it's been a good long while. Um, My background is that I started with one of the big national companies and decided to make a switch over to Next Step because I really wanted to focus specifically on -on one-on-one private tutoring, which is what we do here at Next Step. Um, I was a pre-med as an undergrad myself. I actually went to med school for a couple of years, ended up deciding that medicine wasn't for me, uh, and now I use my 44 MCAT score to help other people do the same.
0: But you're not bragging.
1: (laughs) Well, you know, I like to say in my business, it's a credential. So I do have to let people know.
0: All right. That's (laughs) awesome. So 44 and you're a lawyer too.
1: Um, In a fit of poor judgment, I went to law school um, (laughs) and it was an interesting step outside the realm of science, but I quickly fled back to my mitochondria and aldol condensation. That's awesome. All right. So today
0: we're going to talk about MCAT. Obviously, that's your realm. And something mm-hmm. that seems to be stressing out many, many students. And I'll tell you, one of the first questions that uh, a listener that subscribes to my email list, one of the first questions that I send them is, what's stressing you out? And 90% of them come back, the MCAT. The MCAT, the MCAT, the MCAT. Why do you mm-hmm. think the MCAT stresses people out so much?
1: Um. That's that's the big question. It is actually a fairly easy one to answer. It's because it's so outside the realm of what they've been doing for the rest of their life. And um, the simplest way to describe it is that you, you spend from the time that you're like six years old to you know 22 in an academic environment where if you work 10% harder, you get 10% better grades. And if you work 20% harder, you get 20% better grades. And then along comes the MCAT and says, oh, you think you're so smart? He's a 22 tough guy. <laughs> and you can work work your butt off on it and not see any improvement if you're not working the right way and that's a very weird thing for students and so it stresses them out and that's why they need to come to you know either um, forums like med school hq or they need to go to professional uh, companies for the help it's very very outside their normal realm of experience and, and the novelty creates stress um, so what you know, what we wanted to talk about today is really focusing on this big change. You know, the MCAT's changing. And so there are, you know, fundamentally a few basic things you can do literally today. If you're thinking about the test change stuff, you can sit down for about an hour and ponder and develop a plan for. And I thought, you know, that would be good for us to talk about. If you're thinking about the new MCAT, what should you sit down this afternoon and hash out for yourself?
0: So so Brian, let's talk about why they're changing the MCAT. Why all of a sudden a test that's been the same for, what, 20 or 30 years now? This is the early mm-hmm. 90s. It changed last, Yeah, right?
1: 1991. Yeah. The, the, the current version of the MCAT is older than most MCAT students. Yes. Um, yeah. And there, there were uh, you know, a couple of different reasons. I think the primary one is basically what we just said. It, it, frankly, it's old and times have changed. And the medical schools themselves have recognized that the MCAT is currently really out of line with their expectations for incoming med students. And we want to remember from the AMC's point of view, uh, you and I and our MCAT students are not their customers. Their customers are the med schools. So the change is being really driven by the med schools. They say, hey, you want us to require the MCAT as as an application requirement? Then you need to change it to align with today's expectations, hence all these new areas.
0: Awesome. That's a that's a, I think the best way that I've heard it being put because is that that's exactly right. I like it. Mm-hmm. All right. So let's get into some nitty-gritty about the MCAT uh 2015 and the current MCAT. When when does a student have to start taking the new MCAT and and when can they take the the old MCAT up to?
1: Sure. So the first question is Can you take the old MCAT, right? It's being given up until January 2015, and... We are very strongly recommending for all the students who are calling us now, um, you know, potential tutoring students, we say, look, is there any way that you can squeeze in the old test? It's a really good idea. There's a much more established baseline for it. You know what you're getting yourself into. So if you, for this upcoming fall semester, the you know, fall 2014 semester, if you can be done with a year of chem, a year of physics, a year of bio – Um, And even half a year of organic chemistry, that's probably good enough. You can reasonably take the MCAT at the end of the semester, take this upcoming January exam, and you probably should. Um, The scores are good for about two to three years. So you could be starting med school as late as 2017 or even 2018, depending on the school. Um, A big, big, big asterisk on that. Call your local med school. They're the final authority on what they'll accept. So always check with the schools to find out what they're willing to accept. Um, So that's the, I mean, you could even be in theory, uh, you know, halfway through your sophomore year and still take the MCAT, apply the following summer, start the following fall um, and not have to deal with this new monstrosity.
0: One of the the. Classes that seems to hang up most people for jumping on the old MCAT is second semester physics mm-hmm. what's what's your take on taking the old MCAT with only half a semester of physics
1: um, that really depends on each individual student. It can be a real tough uh, you know road to hoe you know it can be it can be tough to do if you get the misfortune of having an MCAT that has a lot of electrostatics on it, a lot of buoyancy type problems, those stuff, um, electrochemical and galvanic cells, although that's a little more chemistry, if you end up getting bad luck on test day, skipping that second semester of physics could end up being disastrous. Um, Having said that, if you're really self-disciplined, if you have really good MCAT prep and you have the time to self-teach or teach with a study group, yeah, you can get away with only a semester of physics organic chem um I wouldn't recommend that to my kid brother though right like if I was just giving advice across the Thanksgiving dinner table I wouldn't recommend I we typically only want to recommend self-studying a single semester's worth of content which is why I usually say the second semester of organic is the thing you can get away with skipping
0: okay that's good advice so we know what the old MCAT's all about let's talk about what the new MCAT entails what's added to that new MCAT
1: Sure. So the stuff that everybody notices is the big, obvious, flashy stuff. A semester of psych, a semester of sociology, a semester of biochem, and every section is getting half again as long. So you're talking about including the check-in time and the lunch break, like an eight to nine hour day. Um, That's what the universe is abuzz with, you know, just chatting all about these big changes. The reality for... People making this decision or evaluating the old versus the new is actually a much more subtle kind of emotional difference. What I mean by that is if you think you can squeeze in the old test and you're trying to decide whether or not you should, remember that the landscape for the new test is going to be very unsettled. We're going from a universe in which the AAMC has literally thousands of official practice questions out there into a landscape in which there will only be a single official practice test that won't even give you a scaled score. So it's going to be a very nervous, uncomfortable sort of environment to be in. Now, some people thrive. They love change. They don't mind being… Uh, challenged by something that's a little unsettled. So if you're that kind of gung-ho personality, then the new test might actually be good for you. You venture into the Wild West, and if you're a really emotionally resilient person, you'll outperform others. That's not me, though, and I don't think that's most MCAT students. We tend to be a little more obsessive. We want to organize and categorize and alphabetize our socks, right? So we want a universe where there's eight tests we can take. So you got to kind of make almost more of a psychological self-assessment about whether or not it's worth cramming in the old test more than a kind of academic assessment about all this new content that's going to be out there.
0: All right. That's, it's, there's so many changes, and I think it's, it's scary for most people. And, and as humans, we fear the unknown. And it just seems like everything surrounding this MCAT, for some reason, there's just the huge unknown and, and nobody seems to know why the double AMC is kind of keeping things close to their vest. Yeah. I mean,
1: being generous, you'd say they're being conservative with their information, being a little more jaded. You might say they're not telling us because frankly, they don't know, you know, Mm -hmm. that I definitely have the sense that they're, in a little bit panic mode themselves, you know, that they don't have as much progress as they would have liked to have made by now. Um, So it's a pretty scary landscape to be walking into where even the people defining the rules of the game aren't totally comfortable with how the game's going to be played. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy.
0: So what are some of the things right now that... If I'm a student and I know that I'm going to be taking the test, the MCAT 2015, what should I do right now to start building on my knowledge and get ready for that?
1: Sure. The very first thing you got to do is go to AMC's website and buy a copy of the official guide. So that just came out maybe like a month and a half ago. Brandy new. It's got 20 full practice passages in it. So you can see, you know, wh- what they're calling critical analysis and reasoning skills, but it's really just verbal. You can see the psychology. You can see the sociology, the new biochemistry. Um, you're, that's the key thing you want to do immediately. It's just what's even on this thing. How's it scored? How long is it? What are the practice passages look like? So you hop on AMC's website, or even just Amazon, spend the thirty bucks, get the official guide, read it cover to cover. Um, it's going to be breathtakingly boring, but you got to do it to find out what's on the thing. Um, I, I will let your listeners in on a dirty little secret of the MCAT prep industry, which is that the reality is when you, you know, call most of these companies or go to like a, a big fancy webinar being offered by some company. of what you're going to hear comes straight out of these official guides. So read it yourself and you'll know as much about MCAT as most MCAT tutors. That
0: is a dirty little secret, but it's true. (laughs)
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so that's number one, right? The official guide, that's the biggie. Mm-hmm. Number two is is something that you can do immediately, but it'll take a while to execute, which is just planning out your coursework, right? So the core of your coursework hasn't changed. A year of bio, a year of chem, year of organic, year of physics. Um, I'm recommending actually three semesters of biology these days, or even two years of bio, you know, start right away, all of freshman year, all of sophomore year, because the whole test now has a bio flavor to it. Even the chemistry, even the physics. You might get a you might get a passage that asks, you know, what about torque, R F sine theta? But the passage will talk about the elbow joint instead of like a seesaw, or you might get a classic kind of titration passage, um, just you know, understanding equivalence points and half equivalence points. But the way the passage is written will be about you know, say the buffer system in the blood that. All of the concepts now have this biological systems feel to it, which means the more versed you are in biology, the better off you're going to be. And I think for most of your listeners, that's obviously good news, right? We're all bio majors or bio double majors.
0: Not for me. I hated biology. I'm, a, I'm more <laughs> of that chemistry mind. The the heart. The, biology seemed to uh, kumbaya for me. Like, let's go learn about plants. And, and uh, yeah, I. I love chemistry and, and uh, the, the physics and that kind of stuff.
1: Well, there you go. Yeah, it's still going to be there, uh, <laughs> just sort of in the, sy- the context of biological systems. Um, and then, as we said before, right, one semester, each of the new stuff, biochemistry, psychology, sociology. So you want to sit down and look at where am I in my academic calendar? What, which courses have I taken already? What can I take coming up? What can I take as summer courses and so on? That's definitely something. You, once you have your official guide, you can sit down right away and plan out your academic coursework. I will add, we're also recommending that people make sure they have at least one semester of a class that's specifically devoted to something about, you know, experimental design or maybe like even a statistics course. Officially, the AMC is, not, is saying this isn't required. They're claiming that. The what you learn about how to design an experiment in like a good lab component of a class is supposed to be good enough. From what I've seen from the practice material, though, it would definitely help. As an undergrad, I had a class called Experimental Methods. It was required for bio majors, us kumbaya bio majors. Um, and And really, it's a tremendously valuable experience if your college offers a class in experimental design or analysis or whatever. And it'll help for the MCAT.
0: Okay. And I'm glad you just mentioned uh, if, if your college or your college may include these courses. I think one of the biggest things, one of the best sources of information is your advisor because they'll understand what sociology class, what psychology class may be better for the MCAT versus another one. And so going to them as a resource, I think, is a good first step as well.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And of course, depending on the way your college runs, a lot of them, they're the gatekeeper, yep. right? I mean, you need to get that committee letter, you have to make nice with them. And the, yeah. <laughs> the entire process right from the get go um, is is equal parts cognitive and frankly, applied sociology. You know, you got to, that advisor's got to like you, the, the admissions committee's got to like you. So it yep. doesn't hurt to get those wheels turning right away. Yes.
0: So, I was surprised to find out the other day that the test dates are out already for the MCAT 2015. Something Mm -hmm. that usually comes out in around October for next year. They're out now. Why are the. Maybe you don't know why they're out so early, but let's start talking about when in the year people should be taking this test.
1: Sure, absolutely. Yeah. So, they're not. Um, As far as I know, there's unofficial test dates out. There was a webinar given a few weeks back that we went to. I'd have to check the website to see if these are the actual official dates yet.
0: They're on there as if they are. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, well, when registration opens, we'll know what you can actually register for. Ironically, that's the thing that's happening much later. You can't register for the new MCAT until February next year. Way, you know, That's, that's pushed way back. So the, no more March. It used to be you could take the test at the end of March. So now we're talking April through September. Of course, remember, this year's a little weird. All these October and November dates this year are a one-shot-only deal to get in the old MCAT. So we're talking April through September, 14 dates. All tests are morning tests now. So if you're not a morning person, it's time to, to suck it up and get used to being, being up at 8 a.m. Uh, and with the te- in terms of, uh, Ryan, you mentioned like when to take it. So here's the big reveal from the AMC a couple weeks ago during this webinar that they had. The April test dates, you will not get your scores back for two months, and the May test dates, you'll not get your scores back for a month and a half as opposed to the normal 30-day, you know, 32-day cutoff. So the reality is now that taking the test in April is sort of like the equivalent of taking it in May in terms of when you'll get your score back. And taking it in May is the equivalent of taking it like half the beginning of June. So the reality is that anybody who's considering the new test uh, we're recommending do not take the test in April and May. No, like Unless you're like me, you're a test prep professional, there's no reason to take the, take the test in April and May. Do not make yourself the guinea pig. The air of desperation was pretty obvious when the AMC said they're going to be offering a free $150 Amazon gift certificate to anybody who's just willing to take the test in April or May. And that shows you how much they realize that's not a good bet for normal test takers. So usually we say, you know, end of spring semester, junior year, you know, April or March or April is a good time to take it. Now that becomes June or July for this upcoming year only. You're you're really going to want to think about June, July, maybe August.
0: So let's for for somebody who's listening that doesn't really understand why those test dates and why it matters you mentioned March and April, and those are the, those are the months that I always recommend. Take it, take it by March or April, the latest, the year that you're applying to medical school, because it takes about a month to get your score back, and by then, you, you'll have your score, if you take it in March or April, you'll have your score, and you'll know whether or not you should be submitting your application, and you can submit it as soon as the application open in June.
1: Right, exactly. It's all about getting that MCAS primary in right away. Um, And what the AMC has said about that is that they will – for people who take the test in April and May – and, of course, there's all these shenanigans just because of statistics, right? They need test takers who have taken it to be able to scale it properly. So it's going to take them a long time to fuss with the numbers from April and May to get, get some sort of bell curve they're happy with. What they've said they'll do is, in pretty short order, a matter of two to three weeks even, they will provide an estimated percentile. So you won't get a score on the normal bell curve, like what we would normally think of as three to 45 on the current. You won't get that within two to three weeks, but they will tell you, we think you scored about the 60th percentile on the notion that that's enough information to let people decide whether or not to submit their AMCAS immediately in June when it opens up. Um, I'm skeptical, and and frankly, I I tend to be kind of conservative about stuff like this. You don't want to take their guesstimate of your percentile as a basis for submitting your primaries.
0: So I'll play devil's advocate here, and I'll give you my point of view when I hear that. When I hear that, I hear that the AAMC doesn't know what's going on. Medical schools aren't going to know what's going on. And so that's your prime opportunity to pounce. If you have a, a good GPA, go take that MCAT, get your estimated score, and the medical schools will go, well, he's got a great GPA. We don't know what this MCAT estimated thing is. Let's go ahead and invite him for an interview. And, and,
1: yeah, all right. that's an interesting way to think about yeah, it. Yeah,
0: that's, what I, that's how I think about it. And, and everybody's going to be in the same boat because you're all kind of guinea pigs. And so... In my mind, there's no harm in taking it then.
1: Yeah, OK, fair enough. I agree that, that in that sense, everybody's in the same boat. I mean, we would have to you know, get a med school admissions officer in here to, to get their kind of sense of how their university or institution. Remember, though, that these tests are not a vacuum. Right, There are going to be kids applying with MCAT scores from one, two years ago. Correct. So if you're an admissions officer, I mean, and let's face it, professors are conservative folks, and you say, OK, well, here's, you know, bucket number one full of kids with decent GPAs, got their semester in the clinic, got their semester in the lab. But a weird MCAT number we can't make heads or tails of. And here's another bucket of kids who took the test back at the end of 2013, and this kid's got a 34. Sure. You know what? Let's interview Mr. 34, and we'll hold off on weird score.
0: <laughs> yep. That that could be a a, a valid um, scenario as well. Yeah, There's and so, there's so much.
1: Know, like you said, it's the, it's the Wild West, and so everyone's in that same boat, but you're not competing just against the other kids who took the new MCAT. You are competing with kids who have old scores, old good scores, yeah. you know, <laughs> they're not retaking the new, okay. Cause they rocked the old one. So, you know, yeah, I, I wouldn't want, to, I'm not taking the test in April. I wouldn't <laughs> want
0: to. <do> <laughs> All right. Yeah. So April, uh, April, May, uh, you're saying June or July, maybe August, but then, so So that's another scenario that we can kind of hypothesize about is what are medical schools going to do? because from from interviewing a lot of the medical schools and admissions committees, they will typically sit on an application until that MCAT score comes back. Mm-hmm. So if you're taking it June, July, August, you can you can submit your primary and, and just have it kind of sit there. They can validate your your um, GPA and all your courses. Um, and then schools may or may not wait for your MCAT score to come back. So there's there's just so many scenarios that mm-hmm. uh, I think in the end you take the test when when you are most psyched and ready to take the test and most confident.
1: Yeah, and that's what I've seen before about so much of the game being psychological that really that's it. I mean, the fact of the matter is if you have a, a spring semester where you're only taking 10 credits because you're going to go and knock this thing out at the end of April or May, then then just do it. Yeah. Um, You know, the extra month of June – Especially if you've got like a killer summer internship lined up, it's not worth waiting on that just to get the extra month in. Um, You got to make your own decision about your own timeline. Um, You know, I'm encouraging people to either push it real early, get the current one in by January, or push it late, do it at the end of the summer. Just avoid this weird no man's land of the changeover. Um, But in the end, it comes down to each individual student. Yeah.
0: All right. So, one of the, I think, Best, and I'll, I'll air quote best, but one of the most popular resources for the MCAT is a guide on Student Doctor Network that kind of lays out a, I think, a three-month study calendar and, mm-hmm. and gives pages in the Exam Crackers books and, and the Barron's books and Princeton Review books, and and everybody seems to flock to that and use that. Mm -hmm. That's out the window now with all these extra subjects and, and everything else that the new MCAT 2015 is built around. So how does one start to prepare for the content of the new test?
1: Mm -hmm. So as with the old test, it starts with your coursework and we'd already talked about that. Plan out your semesters of coursework and all that. Um, The basic timeline is obviously going to dilate out a little bit. So your typical MCAT kid would prepare for about three months. Now you think three and a half, maybe even four months would be your typical prep timeline just to account for the additional material. Um, the content, again, you know, the, the, go back to the official guide, right? Always go straight to the horse's mouth. You've got these fantastic, you know, 200 pages worth of outlines available from the AMC. That's the place to start. Um, prep books have always been a real popular option here. That's still a good choice, right? Kaplan and Princeton. Kaplan's books are already out. I have them. They look great. Um, Princeton's books will be coming out in another few weeks. The smaller companies, your Berkeleys, Exam Crackers, Gold Standards, and so on; those they'll they'll come a little later to the game. Um, so you're still going to want to consider picking up a big set of prep books. Um, When it comes to practice test material, the one big piece of advice I'm offering people is that the content itself is always fairly straightforward. Between Wikipedia, Khan Academy, and prep books, it's not hard to review the basics. It's just now you're adding in operant conditioning on top of your uh, glycolysis, right? Um, The real trick is practice material, and that's where the number one recommendation I'm making to people that that is now different is you have to go to multiple prep companies. And I've never said this in the past. I always used to just say the AMC has a ton of stuff. Just go straight to them. Now the AMC is not gonna have that much stuff. So now you're gonna need, you know, next step is producing a couple of our own practice tests. You're gonna wanna use those. Kaplan will have theirs, you'll wanna get one or two from them. You know, look at the other is, is, you know, I don't know yet if Berkeley or Gold Standard or Exam Crackers, these little companies are gonna have them but you're not going to be able to necessarily trust kind of the editorial voice of a single prep company. Um, Everybody's going to be just a little off in some way or another. So to be well prepped, you'll want to do the one official test from the AMC and then at least three or four tests drawn from two or three different prep companies.
0: That sounds like a lot of work.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is a lot of work. (laughs) Yeah,
0: that's a a bummer, right? Again, I keep going back to to the double AMC. I wish... I wish they were a little bit more prepared for this transition. And and, and this is my personal kind of um, uh, opinion, but I wonder if there's this, this thought out there that there's this huge relationship with Khan Academy. And so I wonder if they're holding a lot of things closer to their vest because of this relationship with Khan Academy. They prefer to, to see the test prep companies a little bit further uh, behind
1: it could be, although I mean, honestly, from what I'm seeing right now, and, and I, I don't, I'm not going to knock Khan Academy. It's a phenomenal resource. I Definitely. currently direct my students to it. Um, but they 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 got nothing on Kaplan. I mean, Kaplan has already got three full tests out. They've already got a set of books out. I, I may not have nice things to say about Kaplan's teachers, but their materials <laughs> are immediately available. I mean, when you got a billion-dollar budget, it's not hard to write a lot of practice tests. Um, So that might be a little bit of a misguided notion on their part. Um, Yeah, I'll tell you, I don't really understand it either. I mean, when you have a monopoly, you could charge $100 a test and people would pay it. I don't know why they're not offering more than just one practice test. um, But that's the hand we've been dealt for the new exam.
0: Yep. Yeah. and and for the student th- that's listening right now I, I i'm speaking to you right now the w- w- we keep talking about kind of the lack of information and and kind of everything is up in the air that shouldn't stress you out because everybody is in the same boat so don't worry about it it is what it is <laughs> i'm sure these initial tests are going to be heavily curved until they figure something out to um it, they get enough data in, like you were saying, uh, to, mm-hmm. to have good statistical curves on these things.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know, and, and everyone's in the same boat as far as the test itself. And I hate to sound like a broken record, but this, it, I, I got to say it 10 times, 100 times, 1,000 times. Buy and read the official guide. Yeah. Because I guarantee you when you go sit your butt down there in April and take this test for the first time, there will be 45 people in the room of whom maybe two have read the official guide cover to cover. It is shocking how often people will go take this thing and not be prepared for it. Every day my phone rings. I took the MCAT. I didn't get the score I want. Can your tutoring help me? And the first question we ask is, how did you prep the first time? And unbelievable the number of people that will say, "Well, I, you know, I just read a couple of books. I didn't really do much. I had my, a buddy lent me his old Exam Crackers books, and that was it." And it's like, <laughs> okay, so let's let's do this the right way. Start by reading the official guide cover to cover. Yeah,
0: and I'll have a link to the official guide in in the show notes specifically for this episode, which you can get at medicalschoolhq.net/slash eight seven. All right, so we talked about when to take it, the materials that they should be getting, what's changed, what other kind of advice do we have for the listener as they're stressing out about this new MCAT?
1: Sure, yeah, Ryan, and, and I brought this up when I was on the show you know, about six months ago or so, the number one best way to get through anything in life, and the MCAT is no different, Right. Is support from other people. Right. It's why support groups work. 12 step programs work. Why why churches and synagogues function so well as as social support networks. The MCAT's no different. The number one way to prep for the MCAT is a good study group. And I know that sounds weird coming from a guy who runs a commercial test prep tutoring company. I'm not saying tutoring. I'm saying study groups. You need the support of other people who are going through it. Knowing that everyone is in the same boat is one thing, but seeing that everyone is in the same boat with two or three people in the life raft with you makes all the difference in the world. They provide academic support. They provide emotional support, social support. Gotta form a good study group. Uh, When it comes to that I will address just a few points because these always come up when I bring up study groups. People go, well, I don't really like those. I tried to do study groups in college, and I was the only one who did my homework, and there was the three slackers and two stoners, and no one ever wanted to do anything. Remember, the slackers and stoners aren't taking the MCAT, so you don't have to worry about the lazy kids. Second, don't be afraid to run your study group like you're the teacher. Give each other homework, and if someone's not doing the homework, cut them out of the group. Find somebody else. Um, and it's that self teaching that happens. You say, okay, Mary, we're going to, you know, we're all going to take this practice test. You're going to review the physics. I'm going to review the bio. Joe's going to review the verbal. We're all going to come back together and we're going to teach it to each other. It's that cross teaching between different people that helps you see how other people think and helps you develop that, that, um, cognitive flexibility that's necessary for success on test day.
0: So there's an awesome quote that i I know I've mentioned on the podcast before, but it's the perfect quote for this in study groups it's It's a quote by an author named jim roan r o h n and his quote is, "You are the average of the five people you spend the most time with, <laughs> and when you are in that study group with a bunch of overachievers and you're all there for the sole purpose of collaborating and and making each other better." then the whole group um improves and and that's one of the biggest things that that we preach here on the podcast in my opening I talk about collaboration and hard work and that's that's what it's all about
1: yeah absolutely you know and it's it's the it's so much easier to work hard when you're in an environment where everyone's working hard and the study group is the way to do that yeah, yeah.
0: think think of it this way it, it's I would call it, uh, instead of a study group, uh, an accountability group. Uh, when you uh, – going to the gym is one of the hardest things for people. But when you have a workout buddy, then you know there's somebody waiting there for you, depending on you, and you end up going. And so this is the same thing. When when you're tired of studying for the MCAT and you'd rather watch Grey's Anatomy because that's what you think being a doctor is like, and so you aspire, <laughs> aspire to be like Meredith Grey – then there's that person waiting at the library for you and, and you, you pack up your backpack and go. So I, I think study groups are huge. Um, don't think of those people as competition. They're there. You're all there to help each other.
1: Yeah, exactly. And surprisingly, you know, I'll say Ryan, I'm not sure if you had a similar experience, but when I was in med school, it the the only competition is getting in, you know, once you're there, it's entirely a collaborative environment, you know? Well, okay. I don't don't (laughs) know about entirely a collaborative, but. But you find a good study group and it's, it's, you know, we're all going to be doctors. We have to work together. We're all going to get through this thing. Um, You know, and, and that, that interdependence is, you know, it's essential to the, to, to the MCAT, to med school, to the practice of medicine, you know? Yeah. No. 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 Physician is an island. You know. No. MCAT student is an island. It's all about that interconnection. Yeah. So,
0: those are some of the things that we have prepared. And then I, before we jumped on, I went. I went out to the Twitterverse and I said, "Hey, I'm about to interview Next Step Test Prep about the new MCAT. What kind of questions do you have?" And two people tweeted back with the same exact question, pretty much asking, "What is the best way to prepare for the new humanities and social science subjects?"
1: Sure. Yeah, so the the way that the verbal reasoning is changing is it's basically getting a new coat of paint. So it's being changed from verbal reasoning to critical analysis and reasoning skills. And currently on verbal, you can actually get hard science, you can get meteorology or or uh, dinosaurs, you know, like you can get natural science. They're taking that away. The new verbal is just humanities and social science. Having said that, it really fundamentally is not changing. Uh, an art passage, architecture, philosophy, um, none of that's changing. The only other big difference is they're adding in public health as like a place that they're drawing from. So out of the, they haven't really told us yet, we're guessing 10 passages. Um almost certainly one or two are going to be public health related. The advice there hasn't fundamentally changed from the verbal reasoning section, which is read every day. Um, What you will read on a lot of different places, chat forums, you'll even hear this from MCAT teachers, is they'll try to push you to read magazine articles, um, The Atlantic, The Economist, or sort of the staples. I like to be a little more demanding with my own students. Um, I say there's a philosophy textbook out there called Reason and Responsibility. It's a staple of Philosophy 101 classes. It was used – I double majored in philosophy. I used it. Um, You can buy a used copy for like 40 cents on Amazon and it is really hard reading. I mean it's philosophy, right? So if you can handle reading 500-year-old philosophers analyzing the nature of the divine, then frankly reading a 500-word article about architecture is going to be a breeze on the MCAT.
0: So that's the the new kind of verbal reasoning section. What about the psychology and 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 sociology parts? Because there's you, you can't really study psychology equations. And how is sure. how is oh, that going to be yeah, tested? I I'm,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, I misunderstood your question. you. When no, you said social sciences, I was immediately thinking of there will be social sciences in verbal. Um, You know, that's a good question. I mean, it's really not fundamentally any different than biology, right? I mean, there's no equation for the Krebs cycle. You you just, you know, you learn, oh, okay, uh, cytochrome oxidase, you learn the names of the things, you learn facts. So for psychology and sociology, it's the same thing, except now the fact you're learning is not… Um, you know the difference between animers, Let's say in organic chemistry. Now, what you're learning is the difference between classical and operant conditioning. Or in psychology, the difference, or in sociology, what's the difference between, say, prejudice, bias, and discrimination? Right. That there's still just words. Right. You learn the definition of these words. And so in that regard, take a semester, Psych 101, take a semester, Social 101, and then buy a good set of prep books. You know, pick up your Kaplan, your exam crackers, prep books and learn them. Um, the thing that I've seen, again, from the official guide doing the practice passages is that like everything on the MCAT, it is mostly about reading and analyzing the passage. You have to be comfortable with the language of stimulus and response and neurotransmitters and um, you know, the, the different sociology terms, uh, symbolic interactionism. You got to be comfortable with those words. Um, but it still comes back to the fundamental skill of read and analyze the passage, read and analyze the question and eliminate your wrong answers. And that's no different in the psych section than in the bio section or the verbal section or anywhere else.
0: Perfect. I love it. All right, Brian, let's, let's talk a minute about next step test prep and, and who you guys cater to and a kind of special for our podcast listeners.
1: Sure, absolutely. So we're a company that focuses solely on -on one-on-one private tutoring. That's the big difference between us and the other major test prep companies. So because our company is built from the ground up around the notion of tutoring, we like to think we deliver a much better tutoring experience. You know, we've heard plenty of folks who come to us who say, look, I I bought tutoring with one of these other companies, and frankly, I just got a one-man version of their class because that's how they train their folks. The big place that we distinguish ourselves from a lot of the other prep options out there is fundamentally the quality the tutors that we're hiring. We're more demanding about scores. We require more previous teaching and tutoring experience. Um, we require that they demonstrate not just experience and expertise, but teaching ability. They have to explain to me really hard concepts, so I see that they know how to break down things before we'll interview them. Um, and it's that focus on one-on-one and tutor quality that lets us get uh, the results that our students are obviously so proud of when they do well on test day um and of course we we have uh specifically for uh our listeners here arranged a special discount that if you mention that you heard about us here at this podcast we'll give you a 50 dollar coupon off of the tuition
0: that's awesome and is it in-person tutoring or how does how does that work
1: Sure, yeah. We do tutoring both online and in person. It depends on each individual student's location, preferences, and needs. So I'll give you an example. Obviously, we have tutors located in all the big cities, New York, LA, DC, Chicago, Phoenix, and so on. And if we have somebody placed locally, then we're happy to set you up with a local in person tutor. If you have a specific need, though, that wouldn't be addressed by somebody locally, we would recommend that you do the tutoring online. Just this morning, I enrolled somebody who was actually located near me here in Tucson. And we had, I mean, I'm in Tucson and we had another tutor located here. But she wanted something very, very specific, somebody who was like a real expert at the chemistry, the general chemistry. And so I told her, look, I've got a guy out in Pennsylvania who's got a PhD in chemistry. If you want someone who's the Absolute master, you'd be better off doing the tutoring online. So we do both, and it depends on each student's needs.
0: Okay, that's awesome. So you cater very specifically to each person. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Absolutely. All right. Any closing last minute kumbaya words of of <laughs> soothing relief for for the listener?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I, I say this all the time to to folks that we're talking to, and I think this absolutely applies to your listeners. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, you're already miles ahead of other people because you're the kind of student who cares enough about the enterprise of being a pre-med to seek out a really high-quality podcast like Ryan's podcasts. So you, you can sometimes get tunnel vision. You can think, oh my gosh. This is such an impossible environment because you're surrounded by other incredibly smart people. But you want to remember that in the universe of MCAT prep, there are a lot of folks who are not on the ball the way you are, checking things out, listening to podcasts, really learning what that landscape is. So that you are even listening to us now is reason to be confident.
0: All right. There you have it, Brian, from Next Step Test Prep, which you can find at Next Step testprep.com and if you have a hard time spelling that you can always get the links in our show notes specifically for this page at medicalschoolhq.net slash eight seven and again if you use their services then mention that you heard about them here on the podcast and save a little bit of money if you want to reach out to me or brian at next step we are on twitter I am Medical School HQ. Brian and the rest of the team over at Next Step Test Prep is at Next Step Prep. You can also shoot me an email. My email address is ryan at medicalschoolhq.net. Lastly, if you enjoyed today's podcast or any of our other episodes that we've released, I would greatly appreciate it if you went into iTunes and took a minute to leave us a rating and review, a nice, honest rating and review. You can do that by going to medicalschoolhq.net slash iTunes. It takes a minute, and it greatly, greatly uh, improves our visibility in iTunes, and we appreciate every second that you guys take to to do that for us. We have over a 100... And we have 180 five star ratings, which is amazing. So, our 180 ratings. I appreciate every one of you that has gone and done that for us. So, I hope you got a ton of great information out of today's podcast. And as always, I hope you join us next time here at the medical school headquarters. So last week, I mentioned that we're looking at possibly starting a new podcast, a question and answer only podcast, where every week, we do one question and one answer. And it may be more than weekly, depending on how many questions we get. But we're not going to launch this podcast unless we get at least 10 questions called into us or recorded for us. If you go to medicalschoolhq.net slash question, You can leave a recorded question there. If we get 10 of them, then this podcast will be a go. Go there. MedicalSchoolHQ.net slash question.